If you're always on the go like myself and don't have time to sit down and read, Audible.com is a great source to be able to catch up on the latest bestsellers. Listen to it while on the road or at the gym. Audible.com is a leading provider of premium digital audio information and entertainment on the internet. Audible content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Audible carries Audible books in every genre imaginable business, classics, history, self development, just to name a few. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30 day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash replay and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Currently, I am listening to the classic One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, Black Fish, Blue Fish, Old Fish, New Fish. Okay, that's、This、genius. Go to audible.com slash replay. That's audible.com slash replay and get started today. I'm going to bring out someone who we've had since the beginning of our All Things Digital conferences. He,、uh, he showed off his company、uh, for the first time at our original conference, and he's still going. And we're going to talk about how it is hard to do hardware and more where wearables are going. Hossein Rahman. How are you? So,、um, we've known each other a long time. Yes. Really amazing.、Um, we launched our first product, broke the company at the second D conference. You did, at the second D conference. Can I、it. still say D? Sorry. You can say D. You、okay. can say whatever you want. I named it, so yeah, you can. It was、um, funny to see all the, the sort of crew, because we had the we weed the whackers. Yeah. And they were, we were laughing about it. Yeah, what we、things. did is we put a weed whacker behind his, 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 his noiseless. Ace of members. Yeah. So, what was interesting about that, that was an enormous device. It had a big box, and then it had a huge wire hanging off it into your ear. Yeah.、Um, it, it, was, it was not a very. I have a funny Steve Jobs story about that. All right, okay. So, right before we went to do that、yeah. debut of it on, on stage with you and Walt, Um, just one of our investors at the time said, You got to go meet Steve, sort of god of you know, products, and go show it to him.、Mm-hmm. You're in design, he's in design, he's going to love this thing. So we showed it to him, and he looked at that clip, and he said, What's this for? So well, that's where you like, clip the electronics on your, on your belt or whatever. He's like, The only place anyone would ever do that is on your, in your mind.、Mm-hmm. So, so we're like, Wow, okay. So, but you introduced He turned out to be right, right.、Um, yeah. of course,、yeah. but it was, it was an interesting sort of. Indoctrination. That is, that's essentially him saying you suck, just so you know. He was just like, you could be better. It could be better, yes. It could be better. <laughs> I never heard him say that. Usually <laughs> it's this suck. <laughs> but you had the same reaction, which is like, why is this thing? Yes, I did. I, but I thought it would do well in Silicon Valley, no matter what. <laughs> it didn't. That's what passes for fact. It didn't. We had to sort of iterate. We moved to Bluetooth. I was just、yeah. busting Glenn、yeah. on the way in about, you know, Bluetooth is going to live a lot longer than、yeah. he so, does because of battery life. So let's talk about that journey because one of the things that's been interesting for your company is you know, it's been an up and down journey for you, creating、sure. a hardware company out of nothing.、Um, yeah. There's large consumer electronics companies,、uh, you're fighting companies like Apple, many, many, many competitors,、uh, yes. and also Fitbit.、Um, talk about that journey because you, I have to tell you, more than any other company, Your company gets so much attention. I have, a, I have a consistent emailer who sends me tips. It's from the same IP with a different name every time. 
saying that you, that you were about to like fall over and die. I literally get it every day, kind of thing. And I find it really interesting. Still alive? Still alive, I know. Um, and I keep saying, well, he's not dead yet, so. Not yet, today. Not And it's yet. all this Close, various things. No, I... So you get, what, what is the attention on Jawbone? Why, I mean, obviously you've had some funding issues. You've, sure. You know, it's hard to do hardware. You've sure. had some equipment issues as, as sure, others sure, have had. So you asked a few different questions. Okay. Um, I think the first one about just hardware. Um, it's interesting, you know, when we started, um, we started building kind of noise cancellation technology as a way of making something like Siri work. Mm -hmm. And so we started at algorithms, trying to solve a user problem, and then how does that work? And we backed into the hardware as a way to like deploy that technology into the market. And at in that time- In the earpiece. In, in the earpiece, because it was an interesting place to do it, audio interface, there was a lot of value there. We had a very disruptive technology in that industry. Um, and we kind of rewrote that space, right? We were the first ones to sort of do design on the ear and, mm -hmm. and technology. Um, and what I learned through that process is it's hard, right? Just the thing about Steve Jobs saying, well, you have this clip. The second part to that thing that he said to me is like, I don't understand why you didn't spend like $10 million and make this into a single chip. And I said, well, we're a startup. We don't have $10 million, right, Steve, right. to make it into a single right, chip. Yeah. Um, but that's sort of what it takes. Like you, you sort of envision these products that you could build and then you've either got to like invent the technology that makes it possible, or you have to wait for things to catch up. Like so when we did that first product, Bluetooth wasn't a reality. Mm -hmm. And through the time that we iterated and launched in the market, Bluetooth became a reality so that we could get it. So it's a lot of things where you have to sort of wait for different enabling technologies to reach certain you know, levels of, of fruition or cost, power, size, and then integrate it all. And, you're pushing the envelope, particularly if you want to innovate and not right. just sort of grab off the shelf stuff. So I think that's what makes it hard now. I think hardware companies are different too. I mean, you know, we don't think of ourselves as a hardware company anymore. Um, we have more software engineers, application level, firmware, you know, cloud, everything. Data scientists, you know, we have a huge data Do you have team. to stay in hardware? Do you have to build these devices? I think the way we see hardware now is, is it's a way of showing people what's possible with all the technology that we invent, mm -hmm. right? Because I think we're still one of the only startups that I know of that actually invents a lot of technology. We spend years, I mean, we have stuff in the pipeline today that's three to five years out on sensors. And I know just in talking to various folks in the industry and different big partners, you know, we're quite far ahead in terms of where we see the sensor set going, what's possible with wearables. It takes a lot of investment and takes a lot of time. A lot of intellectual property gets built around that. So we, we have sort of a long-term view of that. Um, and you know, pulling that all together at the right time when it's ready to be deployed and consumers are ready for it, et cetera, it's all part of that, that dynamic. And so you know, today, I think to succeed in hardware, particularly in the wearable space, it's the full system. You know, hardware is a way of getting the signals because what we're really interested in is, is understanding people and what's happening with them. Are you stressed? Are you sad? Are you irritated with my answer? Mm -hmm. Is your blood pressure high? Are you drunk? You know, mm -hmm. all yes. these different yes, things. Yes, I'm drunk. <laughs> so, Wouldn't that be funny? That would be funny, actually. Never happened. <laughs> Allegedly. Um, um, but you know, you pull all that together and what we think is, in, the reason you know, we spend a lot of time investing in hardware is that we think that we need to innovate around what the sensors are, what information we get off of that, be in control of that, so we don't have to wait for Apple, for example, to open certain APIs in the watch. Mm -hmm. Then we've invested heavily in software. Like I said, we have more software people and data people than we do hardware in our company. And, and you know, we got good at making software. Our app is the number one app in the world, widely recognized. Um, I think the measure of, of our data team is 
how much we've been able to change is your behavior. So you need that hardware. You, you couldn't deploy it elsewhere. I mean, would you well, like to not? It's, because it's expensive, like you said, to make sure. this over and over again, to sell it, to get it out into the retail channel. Yeah. Do you wish you were not in the hardware business? I like making things. Okay. Um, I like that energy, you know, when people come up to me and say, I love the product that you made. It changed my life. I like being able to come into a category and sort of redefine the way people think of right. it, right? Because I think wearables are interesting mm -hmm. in the sense that we, we are so early in this space. It reminds me a lot of kind of the evolution of the early adoption of cell phones when you started to get feature phones and Nokia mm -hmm. was kind of dominant. We're still kind of in that phase. We haven't moved to early smartphones or where mm -hmm. we are today with, with sort of iOS and Android devices. So there's a lot of, of things that are gonna happen. The technology's gonna evolve and the potential for what these things can do to help people's lives is, is massive. So the first thing you have to crack though is actually getting people to wear it. Right. Which is a big challenge. So right. it's design. I mean, this, this product we just launched a, a few weeks ago, which is, you know, got a fantastic reviews on Amazon. I think we're at like 4.6 stars, which is, which is awesome. This is the first time I feel like in the wearable space, we went past sort of cool versions of rubber, mm -hmm. right? I think everybody was, was kind of making different versions of rubber. And this right. is the first time that I've gotten the energy from people who haven't gotten into wearables. Like I was talking mm -hmm. to the editor at Vogue and she was like, this is one that I would actually wear. Okay. Right. And I've had that reaction again and again and again. And so I think there's all this promise of what you can do with the data. And how if you can get it into a format. But you got to get people to wear it. Right. And keep it on. Right. Yeah. And so I think that the space is going to move from how many units are sold to where the measurement's going to be engagement, interaction, mm -hmm. and then how does someone's behavior change? What are outcomes mm -hmm. that come from that engagement, right? Mm -hmm. So we're really happy. Today, people open our software on the app 21 times a week. It's mm -hmm. like three times a day. It's super engaged. I mean, that's getting into sort of WhatsApp territory and Instagram and things mm -hmm. like that where you, you measure it. Right. And so I think the space is going to evolve. That's not how hardware companies have been judged. They've no. been judged by Which how many units. Which is what you get judged by is how many units. Sort of. I think people, you know, certainly, you know, a lot of investors think about it differently. I think it's our constitution is a little bit different. We don't think of it as a hardware device. It's a Do you system. imagine you'll be, that Jawbone will be making things its entire history, making products? I, I mean, look, when we started, we weren't thinking of inventing wireless speakers. Mm -hmm. Right, I think the mobile phone. But there's phone a good example, wireless speakers, you innovated in that area, then everybody copied you and sort of knocked you Absolutely. down. Absolutely, but we learned a lot from that experience. So, you know, we cr the whole impetus there was interesting, right? We saw that in these mobile devices, you had all your media now, mm -hmm. and it was portable. And so if you had to like dock that, right. you would lose all the functionality, right? It was, it was no use in a smartphone. But we said there's gotta be a very portable, high quality way to unlock that, the richness of that media. Hence the Jambox. And I remember it was funny when, when we, we created the wireless speaker category, you literally, if you looked at the speaker business, mm -hmm. wireless speakers were 0% of the market. Mm -hmm. 0%. People thought we were crazy. What are you doing making a speaker free phone? I think last Christmas, the market was like 85% wireless speakers. Like what we learned from that, you know, we had sort of 80, 90% market share. I think the, the interesting thing that we learned from that is the iteration cycle and how far out you have to invest yeah. and be ready for the next thing and the next right. thing. Right, you got copied And like crazy. we got copied like crazy and that, and that happens really and you get commoditized. So, you know, you, you, that's what happens a lot in hardware. You come out with something, if there's a there, there are lots of people crowd into it, sort of, you know, China Inc, if you will, right. um, puts margin pressure and all that. And that's why I think what's interesting about what we're doing now is with the application, with the data science, all that system, it's harder to replicate.
Right. Right. You don't see fake ups in the same way that you did see fake jam boxes. Right. Not yet. Um, What's well, so, hard? You, yeah, you can't no, I get fake that. the app. And, yeah. You can't fake the data. Right, right. So let's talk first about a little bit about where the hardware is going in the wearable space, yeah. and talk about the software because two yeah. areas that I think, and I'm just, I'm not an expert in this area, but I wear a lot of these. Yeah. And I wear an Apple Watch. And I'm wearing an Apple Watch now, which, and I don't like most of them. Mm -hmm. I, I like have a very bad relationship with all of them, um, and it's largely because I don't think they do much. You know right. what I mean? Like they don't—they right. either annoy me or they're too big. Yeah. They don't do much. This is relatively. Were you like an early user of, of all of them? Yes. Phones. Yes. I used to carry around a suitcase. Yes. You did. Yes, I was okay. a loser. Yes. I was. The, I had, we had one at the Washington Post. I carried it around. Everyone said, <laughs> "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm moving around with a telephone." Isn't this fantastic? And they. Did you use it, or you just like? I used it all the time. You did. Okay. Yes, I loved it. And then to I had talk one to of those people. big. Yeah, I had a big one. I had the. I you had still a, talk to people, or are you just not texting? No, I. Yeah, I don't. I only text now. I hate talking to people. Um, but but <laughs> one. <laughs> I'm moving on to like Snapchat now because I have a 13 year old. But, um, but the. Um, and then I'm going to become a hermit. You'll all know. But I, I think you just touched on something super right. important, which is not doing enough. Right. Right. And I think that look, the real we think the real role of wearables in this whole unit. First of right. all, you, everyone talks about the Internet of Things. We were there doing sort of smart connected devices with right. sensors, wirelessly connected, way before there was that right. moniker. No, but look, I, I think get that. The, I mean, I, you're no, no, definitely look, a pioneer. I, I mean, just, I don't. I don't think the Internet of Things would be possible without mobile phones. Yeah. I don't think the wearables market would be possible without mobile. Right. Without right. mobile phones. Right. But I think the real role of wearables that no one talks about is all these like smart things around you have no idea what's happening with you. I always use the example of like no matter how smart my thermostat is, no idea if I'm hot or cold. Right. Right. And when you have something on the body. 24-7 that people keep on. Battery life's a big deal. You can't take it off every night like the Apple Watch. If you can keep it on all the time, the amount of information you get about the user in terms of what's coming, not you know, right. sort of what's unavailable today, but what is coming over the next right. like months, years, et cetera, is staggering. We can tell a thermostat, you're hot because you're sick, you went for a run, so, it's hot outside. I can tell your car, your blood alcohol level's too high, shut the car off, don't let you drive. I mean, the potential's staggering. And so, I think that once you start to get into those applications where you're sensing a lot of things, there's consumer level applications, there's medical, and there's going to be that convergence where you get you know, consumer level data with clinical level Right, data. but that's the dream. But right now it's, it's, it's Kara's box of sad little Fitbits and ups and everything else. Like I have so many of them. Yeah. And there's something wrong with them at their heart. And I'm thinking, why don't they just embed something in my wrist? Like that's what I would prefer. Like, or, Different or issues with that? Yeah. Oh. Sort of set up, out of box experience. Yes, exactly. How do you like? Yeah, um, but but where is this going? Is this is it just you're trying to make it a fashion device? Is it should it have should it be flatter, thinner, not all the above? I think fa the thing that we learned from the fashion industry is different, right? Mm -hmm. You wear that bracelet today, it matches your outfit. You probably don't wear it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Maybe the season changes, day night. You wear different things. It's weird if we all come in wearing the same thing, mm -hmm. right? And so I think that. The space requires a level of design thinking and wearability thinking that's totally different than any other electronic product that we've ever so seen before. So what is that? Because I think it's actually... Well, I think it's like, it's, it's, it has to be super flexible. Mm -hmm. And I think the technology has to scale to many different form factors because mm -hmm. some people like this form factor at one time, a different one at a different time. They want this functionality in the day, this one at night. So you've got to sort of accommodate for all these things. And I think that you know, getting the sensor set, the power, and getting these things small enough so that they can sort of fit into that jewelry, mm -hmm. and you can change it and put a different device on it, all plugs into one 
kind of application, service, data infrastructure, that's the grail, and that's, that's what we're building towards. But do you think it's had its, you know, I think of a lot of things, the iPhone moment. The iPhone, everyone had mobile phones, and then there was the iPhone, and it did change everything. Yeah. It absolutely shifted, yeah. and then everyone understood it. Sure. Um, when I'm, you know, I do have a lot of these things, and I wear them, yeah. and I've been wearing this for about. But how many times did you see the BlackBerry CEOs on D-conference stages when they were a $100, $150 billion company. Mm -hmm. We weren't talking about the iPhone then. Right, no, we weren't. So sometimes, there, so I don't think this space is even close to having its iPhone so moment. is there something you and, and, and I'll tell you why. Like, we look at the mobile phone market as a way of sort of learning about computing shifts, right. which we think this is, right? Right. I mean, that thing has four computers in it, mm -hmm. right? More powerful than probably the first 15 computers that I own. But if you think about, like, the smartphone space and the evolution of mobile phones, I, I was looking at this data the other day, in 2009, two years after the iPhone launched, you, <laughs> Symbian, Symbian had 50% market share of the OS in smartphones. Mm -hmm. Symbian doesn't even exist, mm -hmm. right? I, I have people in my office who are so young, they don't even know what Symbian was. Mm -hmm. um, and if you look at the companies that have market share, they don't even exist anymore. Well, you have people in your office so young, they don't know who Bill Clinton is, but, but anyway. <laughs> um, it's not true. That's true. No, <laughs> um, but you, you get my point. Things evolve, they change. You know, there's a lot of space to be written. I do think the promise is there, and I think it's going to happen. So we only have a few minutes. I want to talk a little about competitors, but what do you think? What will this? I know it's not one thing. I know what you're trying to say is it's not one thing. But gonna, in a lot of ways, it is. There's one thing, and to me, the the two problems are wearability. Sure. They just don't. They're not comfortable. Yeah. And two. You should try that one. I will. Uh, I will, and then I'll be sadly disappointed again. <laughs> like, I'm waiting. No, no, I'm sure this is much. This, I, so you know what you're doing? I'm like, oh, this is nice, and I'll go like this, and then into the box it will go. Try it. Um, I'll make I you a bet All right. that it's the most wearable one that you'll ever okay. wear. Okay, because ultimately I find that the second part, which is more important, is usefulness. Like usefulness. Yes, now, yes. This one I like, but uh -huh. it doesn't have enough usefulness. Uber yeah. doesn't work on it. Hotel Tonight doesn't work on it. The only thing that works is texts. And do you need Uber calls. on your smartwatch? Yes, I, I do. Mean, I need. I want to do something your phone? else. Yes, I want to do something else besides show me my texts. That's. I do want it to do something else. Sure, but do and you a, need and a Uber spinning there? Move. Is that the problem to solve? That's the yes. question. Because I think the right. key is. I don't know. What, I don't know what it is. Right. That's the question we ask ourselves: Is what problem are you solving, and is that important enough? But I'll give you an example. So you ask, like, is it useful? It is. So. We have, we, we do a lot of sleep tracking. It's a super right. big part of, of right. what people are engaged with. I think we have like 300 million nights of sleep data. It's about almost eight, 900 millennia of mm -hmm. sleep data. Basically every night run the world's largest sleep study. And we've learned a lot from it and we can help our users sleep better. Um, and we have a whole sort of um, kind of uh, smart coaching system that's built on yeah. top of the Insight Engine and it helps you manage your sleep. We see that 72% of the millions of people that are in our system hit their bedtime, they're sleeping almost 30 minutes more a night, and in a six hour night, that's a lot, mm -hmm. right? Real world interesting example, hometown um, championship NBA team Warriors, um, the NBA Finals MVP Andre Iguodala, had massive sleep issues um, as an athlete, started in college, he was traveling, their, their lifestyle is like they're different cities, it's yeah. super disruptive to sleep, didn't sleep. We did a whole program with him, got him on up, started using the coaching insights, he went from sort of an average of five-ish to sort of eight-ish hours. When he did that, he played 12% more minutes a night. He doubled his three-point percentage, right? It took him right under Steph Curry, who's the, the league leading. Yeah. And he says that you guys helped me become the NBA Finals MVP because I scored 30% more points a night. My free throw percentage went up 10% just from sleep. So, you know, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Warriors, Andre. Um, and... To me, that's why we do what we do. 
You right? Should, you should uh, put these on the Republican presidential candidates and have them say something not insane. What, what data were you looking for? They need to sleep more. They need something, <laughs> something else. They might, I mean, but anyways, the point is, is sleep is a sort of foundational element yeah, of health, yeah, I get it. I right? Get it. I get it. And we see behavior change, so. Yeah. So let's talk about competitors. How do you look at the Apple Watch and Fitbit? Um, so when I think about the Apple Watch, we, we, sort of, we think of the category in three different buckets, and the smartwatches are kind of in a different bucket than what right. we do. So you have like workout devices that are, and we segment by hours of use right. per day so or workout. week. Workout, a few hours a week, super accurate, you know, kind of performance training tools. Smartwatch is really a daytime use case because with the touch screen and all that, you don't get through a day. Mm -hmm. um, and it's big and all that, and so you don't wear it to sleep. The stuff there that has traction has got some productivity notifications, some fitness stuff. And we think of ourselves as lifestyle, and that's, you know, all the time. Put it on, forget about it, sits with your regular watch, other wrist, all these different things, lots of sensors. Our devices are sort of week to six months of battery life, right? And you, you, you set them on. And so we haven't seen any kind of, um, you know, dent in sales from the Apple Watch. We actually have, have publicly announced that we will have an app, um, a version of Up, because a lot of users are like, look, this is the best software we want it on the Apple Watch. Um, and so, you know, thankfully, Eddie and the guys, they opened up the, the sensor platform so we can build a really What do you actually think cool of experience. the device? Um, from what perspective? Is it any good? I like a lot of stuff about it. Okay. It's I like, mean, he's a nice person. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, look, you know, I, I, I don't. When I see theater and I don't like I get shower. like 600 emails a day. Yeah. So having like email notifications on my wrist would be a nightmare. Right. Right? It would just be like, it would be right. terrible. Right. Right? It's sort of almost like the thing that we don't talk about in the mobile industry, which is like ADD that comes from these devices. This yeah. is like the ultimate ADD yeah. tool. Um, so, you know, I, I think they did some amazing things on fit and finish. I love what they did right. around the, the interchangeability of straps. I think there's right. a lot of care in the engineering. So right. I think that's really cool. So you like the aluminum? I like the aluminum. All right. Let's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That. Um, all right. Questions from the audience? It's like super bright. Hey there, thanks very much, Hossein. Jonathan Spalter from Mobile Future. Just looking a little bit forward, what about implantable wireless sensors? So, sorry? Implantable. Implantables. Sure. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, right now, of course, it's a medical device. Yeah. yeah. It's ramping up. Yeah. But we looked at a little bit at ingestibles. What? We've, lo we've looked at ingestibles, right. which is a little bit different than implantables. Right. Um, easy to get confused. Just as creepy, but go ahead. <laughs> Well, they pass through you, but right. um, so I mean, that look. Gross. Okay, marketing that <laughs> they pass through you. So, Try one today. Hours of use case. Better than right? carrots. Right, right. <laughs> um, I think that there's a lot of innovation to be had there. I think there's certain applications where an implantable might make sense. Um, I think you get into the same kinds of issues of what are you sensing? What's the battery life? How big is it? How resistant is it to tissue damage and all those kinds of things? But I think that, look, I, I certainly believe that there will be things like that that happen. Um, Where would you implant? And, and nothing dirty. Okay, dirty. But where would you implant? In the eye, the ear? Where would you put an implantable? Well, I don't know that you could like poke your eye. Well, Google was working something. on a kind of a contact lens, right? That's not implantable. Oh, right. Well, they could sew it in there, I guess. I don't <laughs> Who knows what Google's up to? So some weird like glaucoma. Yeah, exactly. Where would you, if you had to pick where you would put an implantable? I mean, I think if you've got something in the bloodstream that could stay there all the time, it's constantly monitoring your blood. I mean, you know, Elizabeth Holmes, who we saw yeah. yesterday, 
you know, a lot of her testing would change if you had something that was constantly there monitoring your blood. So I think being in the stream, um, in the bloodstream would be pretty interesting from the information that you would get and what you could do around preventing certain disease states and being predictive about those things. We're trying to replicate that on the body right. so you have that non-invasively. Right. Um, but but I, I think there's certain things. I mean, we're, you know, we're, we know the Proteus guys super well that are doing the ingestibles. I think there's an interesting application. Explain ingestibles. You would put it... So you take... The Proteus thing is interesting. You take it in. It kind of works like one of those um, potato batteries. Okay. So when it gets into your, into your system, it activates with the sort of fluid alkalizing it. I don't know if people are familiar with potato batteries. Okay. Old school. <laughs> You, you, know. just, so, you just gave us some insight to you. You didn't mean to, but go ahead. Potato I'm dirty, I'm Yes, dirty. I know. He's so, um, uh, and what they do with that that's interesting is they use it as a way of tagging things that you ingest. So the main use case is around compliance with drugs. So one of the big issues in, in pharma uh, in healthcare is that people are prescribed these medicines to help them manage their states, but they don't comply with taking them. And so what Proteus does is allows you to sort of and just these things, and know that you're taking them all the time. We have a partnership with those guys through some some stuff where we can we use patch to track the signals from that wow. ingestible, and we see what's going on in the body because it sends out a, a ping, yeah. and you test it. So I, you know, there's interesting applications for that for compliance, and and you pass it. Yeah, um, uh, Regina Dewey was talking about ingestibles for passwords, and you eat one every day, and it would be your password. It's an application. Yeah. <laughs> Um, can you tell the story a little bit about the Napa quake data sure. that, that yeah. you all kind of put out there? I think that um, uh, that was really kind of interesting. It, kind of, it was so timely. Um, so yeah. To hear that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, that, that's a really interesting question because that was the first time. So we've been doing, I mean, people don't realize like we're a huge data company, not a big data company, huge. The volume of data that we have that passes through our system given the amount of hours of use that you have, your average engagement's like 23 and a half hours a day. So people are on the system, there's just like data flowing. It's getting to like gargantuan proportions. And so we're processing all this stuff and people never really thought of wearables in that way a little bit, but maybe not so much. And I think that when we put out the Napa stuff, it blew everyone away. And what happened was the guy who runs our, our data team woke up in the morning on Sunday and was just looking at stuff and he's like, wow, there's all these wake cycles. And they started to dive into it and realized like we knew just when the USGS did what was happening with the earthquake. And we tracked from distance to the epicenter where you were based on your sleep-wake cycles. And we saw all kinds of stuff about how long it took people to recover and fall back asleep. And we published the data that day in the New York Times. And um, you know, the US director of the USGS contacted us and said we gotta collaborate on how to sort of do these predictive patterns around it. White House contacted us about, you know, can we do other things together around the data? So it was a great example that was sort of super relevant to people about the power of that, that sleep set and what you can tell about what these things do. There was all kinds of interesting things that the USGS wanted to see about kind of, you know, these geo events and how they affect population and how it affects kind of your recovery or you jittery from aftershocks and all kinds of stuff. Super interesting. Yeah. Very quickly. Hi, uh, Adam Burroughs from Home Advisor. Two really powerful trends right now in IoT, right, are wearables and also smart home, but they appear to be developing in parallel. Wondering if you see any applications for the two to merge. Absolutely, I didn't sort of make that very clear. I think they will be merging. I think what happens with wearables is it is the 24-7 understanding or context engine that's telling you what's happening with the person so that all of these things around you become useful. Because our view of the in-home IoT stuff is it's kind of a mess. 
everything's got an app, none of it talks to each other, super confusing to set up. What I really wanted to do is know that I'm in this mood and the lights should go here or that I'm in a, this state and I want the temperature there and I'm going to bed and the temperature should go here and you know, all those things. And so I think wearables are gonna be at the center of that and they're gonna make all these things smart. And that's what I was saying. So if I know your blood alcohol level, I can tell your car to not turn on, right? You, just, mm -hmm. you can't drive. And I think that's, these are just little examples of that, right? So, absolutely. I think you'd flick, take off your watch then, right? Because you don't want it to. Implantables. Okay, implantables. Uh, <laughs> hi, uh, Wendell Wenchin from Simul Media. I think I read in the past that uh, Fitbit uh, was licensing some of their data to perhaps insurance companies and so forth. Uh -huh. Do you see that as a market? You know, what are the opportunities, what are the issues that you might run into? Well, I think the first thing is like, obviously with this data, that 24 seven context, no one's ever had this level of information about anybody ever before. And so it's a big trust that the user has given you. Our view is that the first thing we're trying to do with that data is help people. And by doing that, we want them to have a better life. So the idea is like take that data, turn it into knowledge, turn it into understanding, and then help them take useful actions on it. And so that's what we've built our analytics engine and doing all that stuff. And then we have, you know, many thousands of developers in the system. About a third of our users use third-party apps that are kind of utilizing that data. What we do is take great care to kind of explain to people, okay, you're gonna open up your data to this thing, this is what's gonna do for you. Are you okay with that? You ask them, you ask them again, and you keep sort of sharing the context of like, here's what it's doing, here's why it should be valuable for you, but it's your choice and always opt in. So I think that's super important. Okay, so you don't really see that as a, as a big source of monetization for Jawbone. I didn't say that. <laughs> I said what we do with the data and the first order bit is to make it useful for people. And I think if you make it useful for people, there's probably lots of business models that don't exist today that are interesting. And I think that you touch on an important point. I think, look, the ultimate, for health and fitness and wellness and all this sort of stuff, the ultimate goal is to help people live longer, live healthier, live better lives, reduce medical costs. That's kind of the grail. And I think once you tr tap that vein, I think all the models that we sell and measure against today will be irrelevant because I think you're affecting people's lives, outcomes in a totally different way. And I think the business models will be totally different. So, Thank you. I yeah. saying one quick question before we get off. I forgot to ask you, are you ever going to sell your company? Lots of rumors around that. Uh, sell to another person? Yeah. No, well, presumably another person, company, <laughs> not a person. Um, well, you, know, you can't talk about that kind of stuff. I mean, look, we, we are investing for the distance. Okay. Oh, we lost. Okay, sorry. really quick. Sorry. No problem. Hi, yes, Mohammed Iqbal from Cisco Systems. Um, quick, quick. Big data, security, big problem. So, in terms of security and risk acceptance and making things easier, uh -huh. can you kind of um, go over a little bit of the strategy that you find yourself employing day by day? Like, okay, how do you put your foot down and say this is going to be secure no matter what, as opposed to well, not in you know not in um, not in terms of you. you um, user experience, uh -huh. can you go, go a little bit into? Yeah, I mean, that's the trade-off, and I right. think that um, the first order thing is to make sure that it's secure, right. um, and then the second order thing is to make sure it's useful and people want it, and then you, you have to balance it, and I think you iterate, you ask people, you test it, you work it, and, and you work with your user to define that, right? And it might be different for different sets of users. I think there's a lot of people who want to be super open with their data, I think it relates some to age and people who are used to doing different things with it versus a different set. And I think you have to have a system that's flexible 
to take care of one set of users versus a different set of users. And it's okay, you have to build something that scales to those different kinds of use cases. And, and yeah, and do you find yourself like um, employing a different strategy depending on the industry, right? Because I would imagine healthcare will be very different from, let's say, consumer, right? That okay? Is that, is that something, are you finding yourself evolving on a daily, day, daily basis that okay, how do we? I, I think a lot of stuff's converging. Um, and I think that you have to take into account how things work today and why they were designed to work that way. Regulatory structures, your privacy structures, HIPAA, FDA, all this kind of stuff. And then you have to think about where it goes over time and what's right. And then how do you work with that system, help them evolve that system for a new reality. And I think that you know, we have the, the best way to do that, I think, is through communication. Talking to regulators, talking to constituents and explaining why it's valuable and why they should think about it. It's painful, but I think that's the only way is to sort of communicate and try to move it because it's evolving, it's going to change. And, you know, you need to take these things into account. Great. Thank you, Hussein. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.